This podcast contains real talk about the mayhem of motherhood, along with a weekly medical mystery. Because all of these topics can be pretty graphic, and because we use explicit language, listener discretion is advised. Welcome to the Motherhood, Mayhem, and Medical Mysteries podcast. On this show, we are not attempting to solve the major medical mysteries of the world or tell you how to raise your kids. We are definitely not doctors or scientists of any kind. We are just two moms here to provide you with support, resources, and maybe a few laughs along the way. We do a lot of research and will definitely share the things we learn, but please talk to a professional if you have specific concerns about your experiences. Here's Miranda, who recently joined an old lady choir just for shits and giggles. And that's Mel. She owns not one, not two, but 647 gray sweaters. I do, and I just bought a new one. I'm wearing it. Do you like it? (laughs) It's gorgeous. Well, I just want to say I'm really thankful that we are not recording on a Saturday morning right now. (laughs) Number number one, that was rough. I'm still not over last week's recording. Um, But I have to tell you, Fisher was hilarious when I was trying to get him ready for school this morning because you know how sometimes it's like dragging these kids out of bed and trying to get them like up and ready for school. Well, this morning... He was like, uh, 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 you know, it was like this big dramatic situation. So Mm -hmm. I'm like, just go to your room and put your clothes on. So then I go back into the bathroom to do my makeup. And the next thing I know, Brad comes in there and he's like, um, Fisher put himself to bed. And I'm like, what are you talking about? It's like, it's 650. He he needs to be getting himself dressed. Well, I don't know. He's in the bed and shrug emoji. Okay. And Fisher's like, sure enough, laying in bed with the blanket up over his head. And I'm like, dude, what's going on, buddy? Like, we got to get out of bed. We got to go to school. He's like, my pinky toe hurts. No, he didn't. (laughs) Pinky toe? The pinky toe. And and I'm like, well, why are you in the bed? I'm resting these feet. Oh, oh my gosh. It's like really cute, but hurry up. Get out of bed already. So I'm like yanking him out of there and he's like, but my tummy hurts too. So then I had to have the pep talk with him, you know, because I'm like, let's just let's give it the old college try. You know, we're, we're not throwing up. We're not having diarrhea. There's no fever here. Let's just Let's just muscle up the pinky toe and the tummy and let's just get to school and see if we make it. And I have to tell you, I got lucky. He made it all day long. So I was just so going to ask. He, he made it. He made it all day. Whew. I'm impressed. That is always one of the like biggest gambles of, of motherhood, in my opinion, mm-hmm. because you're you're going into work and you're looking at what you have to do and you're like, oh, my gosh, how much of this can I get done? How quickly? Right. Because right. at any moment. I could get a phone call. Yeah, it's like the ticking time bomb situation. But mm-hmm. um, so I'm kind of like on edge all day. But but it worked out. It worked out. Everything's good. Everything's good. So, is his toe better now? 
I'm sure. I'm sure that it is. I mean, when I went to pick him up from after school, he's skipping down the hallway waving goodbye okay. to everybody. Yeah, so so I think he's fine. But um, I have to tell you about our fishing trip because this this was the crazy thing we did this week. And I'm telling you, <laughs> it's, like, it's like me and Brad have all these, you know, amazing plans in our head where our family is like this perfect commercial and mm-hmm. for like for like an antidepressant medication. And and we're just like running through a field, you know, holding hands, having this amazing time. Well, Brad, you know, loves to go fishing. It's like his thing. And our, our son's name is literally Fisher. So we're like, we need to get you in involved in this somehow so and the weather theme for you on theme and the weather was so beautiful this week right so so brad's like let's go down to the pond and just like go fishing for a little bit and and this is fisher's very first time going so so we go down there and you know we have this whole conversation right because we've got to prep him it's his first time so we're like okay you know this this is how it's going to work buddy we're going to put this little thing and it looks like a worm and we're going to put it on the hook and the fish is going to see it it's going to think that it's a worm and it's going to swim up and it's going to bite the hook and and we and we were very careful to say like the hook won't hurt the fish you know because that's always kind of scary when you see like this hook going in the fish's mouth um Mm -hmm. so we're like it doesn't hurt him like he can't feel it it's just right on his lip and all we're gonna do is pull him out real quick and take your picture with him and then we'll throw him back in the pond and it's taken fisher a while to kind of wrap his mind around you know well that seems kind of pointless but okay so so i mean (laughs) you have to give him credit he's not wrong he's not wrong like i pull this thing out of the water i take my picture with it i throw it back like that's that's the game oh okay so and i mean he gets the concept but i mean he's five so off we go and um we we get to the pond and Brad kind of gets us set up. We're on like a little floating dock and we cast a few times. We're not catching anything. So Brad's like, well, I'm going to walk down to this side of the pond and see if they're biting over here. But before y'all move like the whole setup and everything, y'all keep staying on the dock. I'm going to come over here and see if I can find anything. Right. So he goes to scout the area. So, of gotcha. course, as soon as he gets to like that edge of the pond the very next cast fisher's got a fish so so i'm like brad he's got one he's got one so brad comes running up you know to to come help us and fisher's like confused he's freaking out because you know at this point like the the rod is like kind of shaking the fish is getting away you have to reel it in and i think Mm -hmm. fisher was like really confused because i think your instinct is like to let go of it because it's yeah mine always was as a child (laughs) yeah and, and i'm like nobody hold on to it don't drop it don't drop it hold on tight so we're reeling in this little fish and here we go and we get it up and it's this little small mouth and you know we're like yay you did it you did it so then we go to like take the hook out oh no and uh the the hook was like Mm. how do i put this the hook was like beyond the it was like down in the fish it was was not in its it was in its guts. It was in its guts, guts. Like, not even in his throat. It was beyond the throat. Like, oh, no. Like, if the fish had an upper intestine, that's where the hook has <laughs> latched, okay? Oh, no. It's it's in there. And so me and Brad are like, you know, at first we go to try to pull it, and we find it, and then we're just kind of making it worse. And, and next thing you know, Melanie, it's just blood everywhere. I knew it. I, I knew mean, there was going to be just... 
I mean, it's it's blood and it is fish guts and it is slime. And and so it's like, you know, Brad's trying to like now it's like operations save the fish. And I've got Fisher turned around, like trying not to see what's happening because it's going to give him like trauma. You know, because he, he did this right. He caused this. And so I'm like, it's OK, buddy. It's OK. Daddy's just helping the fish to get the hook out. And Brad's like, I don't think I can get this hook out. And Brad's like quietly like cutting it off and like throwing it in the woods. Brad is like doing an upper endoscopy on the fish (laughs) at this point. Okay. He's like a full blown like marine gastroenterologist and and there are pliers and we are trying to save this fish, but it is just Mm. getting bloodier and bloodier as it goes on. And so I'm like, Brad, this is a lost cause. You're going to have to just give up. So he kind of like, (laughs) he kind of just like kicks it off the dock (laughs) after cutting the line and I felt so bad and you know Fisher (laughs) poor Fisher is just like so confused you know because he knows something went wrong but he doesn't know well yeah because you guys literally just (laughs) murdered a fish (laughs) we destroyed this fish from the inside out and I feel so bad about it so so then, like, we tried to keep fishing for a little bit and, of course, didn't catch anything else the rest of the night. And what do you know, about 25 minutes later, it, it bobs up to the... Oh, no! Yeah, yeah. It, yeah, it, you guys needed to cut and run. It bobbed. So at that point, it's like, okay, time to go. We'll, uh, we'll not be doing this again anytime soon. <laughs> Oh my goodness, that is just oh, insane. That's the way Why it goes. The that's the way it goes, man. <laughs> so maybe when he's like a teenager, I'll be able to sit him down and be like, son, let me tell you what really happened on that fishing trip. We murdered that fish. <laughs> that fish didn't stand a chance. Well, Melanie, I know you're drinking your Storm Chaser wine over there. And I have a coffee blonde stout, um, and she's she's really hitting the spot. Um, I think it's time. You know what I would just really like to do right now? What? I'd really like to hear a medical mystery. <laughs> that is what your heart desires? It really is. There, well, there's nothing perfect. I want more. It's perfect that you're here with me. Yeah. And this one's actually going to be a surprise to you. It is. It is. I'm going to be surprised. Okay. Well, listen, there's lots of surprises in this one to myself, even as I was researching it. So oh, those are always week, fun. We are going to talk about the lymphatic system. <gasps> Yay! I was so excited because we, we learned a little bit about it on the breast episode we ever did. And I was like, oh my gosh, I know she's going to talk about this soon, but I did not know it was going to be tonight. So I'm excited. Yay! I am. Here we go. Folks. All right. All right. So, the lymphatic system is actually part of our immune systems. I did not quite realize that. I mean, if you take it apart and think about it, it makes sense. The lymphatic system is made up of a network of tissues, vessels, and organs that work together to move a colorless, watery fluid. Do you know what it's called? Mm, Plasma? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, that's not actually wrong, but it's called lymph. Oh, is the name for it. Oh, yeah. lymph, cousin lymph. lymph. Lymphatic system. <laughs> I had a cousin lymph back in Tennessee. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you did. So listen, 
Each day, approximately 20 liters of plasma. See, you had, you gave us a good segue there and you didn't even realize okay. it. Plasma, which is the clear part of your, the clear fluid part of your blood, flows through your body's arteries. 20 liters. That's like Af- 10 2 liters, by the way, guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in case y'all were wondering, that's the equivalent of 10 2 liter <laughs> bottles. Which actually, that's a lot of flipping fluid, I mean, is just, all I have to say. Just picture but- 10 2 liter bottles on a table and just imagine that that's what's in your body right now. Okay, that's a lot. That's a lot. Imagine yourself at the grocery store buying 10 2 liters. You're going to need need a full-size cart for that. That's right. You can't use those little short ones. That's right. I need a courtesy clerk to help me to my car, please. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, so after delivering nutrients to the body cells and tissues and receiving their waste products, because that's the exchange that Mm. happens as these fluids are flowing around. Gotcha. 17 liters of that 20 are returned to your circulation through veins, but the remaining three liters seep through your capillaries and into your body's tissues, and that's what turns into lymph, because that's then collected by the lymphatic system. Interesting. Yeah. Now, it also eventually ends up back in your bloodstream but so it is plasma when it starts but it's the parts that don't go straight back through the veins Mm -hmm. it comes back through the organs and then the lymphatic system so kind of weird yeah didn't know that existed yeah did you say it's like kind of the waste like it's the it's the parts of your plasma that contain a lot of waste that's moving into no the- it doesn't necessarily have anything to do with the waste level of it it's just it's the parts that kind of they kind of it kind of seeps in oh, through the okay. capillaries like it kind of goes gotcha. out into the tissues gotcha okay I never never knew that existed. So there's three main functions to the lymphatic system. It helps maintain the fluid levels in your body. So your lymphatic system collects the excess fluids that drain from cells and tissues throughout your body, and it's what returns them into the bloodstream. The lymphatic system is like collecting those extra fluids. So it maintains fluid levels. It absorbs fat from the digestive tract which I had no idea hmm. that that was a thing. Yeah, Lymph includes fluids from your intestines that contain fats and proteins, and it transports those back to the bloodstream. And then, of course, it protects your body against invaders because, as I said, it's part of the immune system. Do you know what organs in our body are part of the lymphatic system? Um. I'm trying to think about like where, because I know where lymph nodes are. Like I know they live in your armpits and your groin and we learned they live in your breast, but I don't know what specific organs. Okay. Maybe, well, maybe like a gallbladder. I don't know. I'm just going to throw that out there (laughs) as a wild card. You're not far off, but firstly, it's lymph, which is the lymphatic fluid that we're talking about. Mm -hmm. That's not technically an organ, but that's part of the system. The lymph is an important part. Yeah. The lymph nodes, which you were correct, you mentioned that. Oh, okay. But there are 600 lymph nodes throughout each of our bodies. Man, So we always think of the ones that are in like our throat and and our armpits, but they're everywhere. Wow. Wow. (laughs) 
600. So, my gosh. Some of them exist as like a single node by itself, and then others are connected in groups or chains. So I'm I'm assuming that the areas of like your throat and your armpits, those are there's more there, but there are others in other places. Now, the lymphatic vessels, that's another part and collecting ducts and that's all part of the network of it. But here are some things that I had no clue were part of the lymphatic system. The spleen. Oh yeah, I always forget about the spleen. I never knew what the spleen did. Like, you'll hear about, oh, well, her spleen ruptured. Mm -hmm. You know, I watch a lot of medical dramas, for those of you who don't know. (laughs) The spleen is actually part of the lymphatic system. Hmm. And it filters and stores blood and then also produces white blood cells, which I never knew that. Well, thank you, spleen. That's like a super important job. And I know that we can live without our spleens, but it sounds like we probably leave, live healthier lives with our spleens. If it's making white blood cells, we sure as hell do. Yep. The thiamus. Uh, no. That sounds like that a city an- in Greece. <laughs> <laughs> it is, in fact, an organ that is located in the upper chest beneath your breastbone. Oh. Um, it matures a specific type of white blood cell that fights off foreign or organisms so Hmm. that sounds important yeah those are like the spartan white blood cells that are made in the thiamus spartan (laughs) are made in thiamus (laughs) tonsils and adenoids oh yeah those guys that's part of the lymphatic system did you know that well i do now you do now i ain't got no tonsils anymore but but i guess oh you don't see i still have mine that's why you get strep throat like every year Here's the thing, though. My pediatrician had this belief that if it was in our bodies, it was there for a purpose. And he wouldn't remove it unless it was absolutely necessary. Well, I don't know. All I know is... Dr. Wong, if you're out there, I still have my tonsils and my adenoids. Dr. Wong, please come on our podcast and explain why you've tortured Melanie with literally 38 strep infections because you didn't take out her tonsils. (laughs) They're protecting me from other things, perhaps. We need to dig into this. We'll dig into that later. (laughs) Here's another one. This one might shock you. Bone marrow. Is part of the lymphatic system? Bone marrow is part of the lymphatic system. Well, I guess white blood cells are made there, huh? Yeah. So Mm. bone marrow is the white spongy tissue at the center of certain bones, like the hip bone, the breast bone. I want to say like the femur, like the larger Mm. bones. And white blood cells, red blood cells, and platelets are made in the bone marrow. But it is technically considered part of the lymphatic system. Wow. There's a whole nother thing that I had never heard of called payers patches what p-e-p-e-y-e-r apostrophe s and what this is these are small masses of lymphatic tissue in the mucous membrane that lines your small intestine so Mm. these are like they're down there in your small intestine and they monitor and destroy bacteria within your intestines Hmm. that's that that's where the fish hook got stuck was in, the, in one the of the hook in one of the pyres stuck. patches. <laughs> I think that that fish hook took out at least one pyres patch. If fish share the <laughs> same anatomy as us. <laughs> Lastly, appendix. 
Okay. The appendix is part of the lymphatic system. Hmm. I thought that that was really interesting. It plays a role in housing good bacteria and repopulating our gut after an infection has cleared. I am surprised that I didn't come across that in the in the probiotics um, yeah. episode. But yeah, that's what that's what the appendix does. So oh, wow. who knew? I didn't know that. Now, of course, with anything, there are issues or conditions that can go wrong with the lymphatic system. I think probably the main one that we all hear of is lymphoma. Obviously, Mm -hmm. that's a cancer of the lymphatic system. And that occurs when the lymphatic cells grow and multiply like out of control. You hear of there's Hodgkin's and non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The challenging part with that is because the lymphatic system is so widespread within our bodies, it becomes a very difficult cancer to treat Mm. um, because they're everywhere. Yeah. Another one that I feel like I need to mention is a condition called lymphedema. Have you heard of that? Yeah, yeah. I've worked with some people with that before. Yeah, and that that's where you're, for whatever reason, you're accumulating lymph fluid. It typically affects, like, arms and legs. Your extremities, right. It's right. like it doesn't circulate back like it should or something. Right, and the buildup of lymphatic fluid is what causes lymphedema, and it can be very painful, obviously, because it causes swelling mm. and whatnot. And then you're at a lot greater risk for infection because things aren't flowing like they should be because it kind of just collects there and stays there. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. Now, I don't know if any of our listeners out there watch really bad television, (laughs) but I have been known to watch multiple episodes of My 600 Pound Life on the TLC. And a lot of folks that have extreme, are extremely overweight, Mm-hmm. have lymphedema, hmm. significant lymph- lymphedema. It's kind of mind-blowing, actually. So what's but the correlation there? I think once you're so, like, because everything with the lymphatic system has to do with you moving. And I'm in our fun mm-hmm. facts section, I'm going to bring up a point that illustrates that better. Okay. But I think if you're sedentary, and then also just the excessive weight puts pressure on weird things. So oh, sure. a lot of times that that can be. Now, that's not to say those are the only folks. There are people that are actually born with conditions that lead to lymphedema. Mm. I follow a lady on TikTok that has lymphedema of one arm and one leg, and she doesn't have any other health condition. It's, it's an interesting situation, obviously. How can I keep my lymphatic system healthy? That is the question. That really is the question. That's a really good question. Yeah, yeah. Because it sounds really important and we want it to work because that's what's making our basically immune system work well. Correct. Yeah. First tip, avoid exposure to toxic chemicals it, like those in pesticides or very strong cleaning products. Oh, I didn't see that one come yeah. in. I, I was waiting on you to say, drink lots of water. <laughs> well, I'm not done yet. I'm not done yet. <laughs> but apparently the chemicals in pesticides and cleaning products can make it a lot harder for your body to filter waste. Sure. And I'm not sure of the mechanism there, but that that's what, that's what our tip list says. 
Tip number two, drink plenty of water. (laughs) We knew it was coming. (laughs) But probably don't drink like 10 two liters of water a day. That would probably be No, don't drink that much water. But you do need to stay hydrated so that things can keep flowing. I feel like that's a tip that I say pretty much every week. I think every time we say just drink water, people. And and I'm such a hypocrite because we're over here like Melanie's taking a sip of her wine right now. And I just have this delicious skinny vanilla latte coffee stout. And I'm just I'm in heaven. So <laughs> but also drink water. OK, I'll hydrate. I'll hydrate. Later. Now, the final tip on that section on keeping your lymphatic system healthy, maintain a healthy lifestyle, including regular exercise and a healthy diet. So I feel like those are tips that I also say every week. So here's our tips from this platform. Our tips are stay hydrated, eat a healthy diet, and exercise regularly. Wow, look at that. Look at that. We just saved your lives, listeners. <laughs> but seriously, do it. And and I think it'd be so cool, like, um, as we're kind of building up our listening community, like, let's have those conversations. Talk about, you know, I, I want to share and, and see what people are doing to um, maintain a healthy diet and to maintain a healthy exercise regimen and stuff. I think that's, like, really important for us as women to have a sense of community around those things. And, and I would love to see people share tips on how they do all of that while being a working mom. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Without yes, stressing themselves out because the yes, balance please. is so difficult. And so, you know, like definitely send us all of those tips because we will post them and share them and talk about them amongst ourselves. Yes, we will. Um, We're here for I it. I did want to end this section with some fun facts about the lymphatic system. I love your fun facts. I know. I know you do. That's why I found them just for you. Woohoo. The lymphatic system is considered the least understood and most undervalued system in all of our bodies. Yet, if it stopped working, you would die within 48 hours. Wow. Mm. I mean, it's crucial. Mm. We have to have it. It's like the mother of the body. (laughs) It's crucial and you have to have it and it is underappreciated and undervalued. But you would die without it. Two more fun facts. Unlike the circulatory system, which the circulatory system is driven by our heart. So there's that constant pumping and that's a very strong muscle. And Mm -hmm. so it has that constant pump. But unlike the circulatory system, the lymphatic system is a one-way system with no pump. Hmm. So it relies solely on movement, gravity, and breathing to flow. What? No way. Mm -hmm. Are you serious? I'm serious. It's a one-way system. It has no pump. It only works if you're moving and like with gravity and what was the other thing you said? Breathing. Oh, my gosh. Well, so and so that explains why folks who have an excessive amount of weight, if you're very sedentary, Sedentary. you're not moving. Oh, my gosh. I thought it was just like part of the circulatory system. And maybe like it doesn't have its own pump. But I guess I was thinking it just kind of like piggybacked on the heart pumps and like kind of mooched off that. It doesn't. Oh, my gosh. It has nothing. Oh, my gosh. Okay. And then final fun fact. In Ayurvedic medicine, yeah, ooh, tell me, 
The lymphatic system is considered the most important system of the body. Mm-hmm. It is considered to be the water of life. Oh, I love that. So I love that. I'll leave you with that. But That's amazing. Uh, long story short, the lymphatic system is incredibly important. Hmm. Stay hydrated and keep moving. Keep moving. And and one thing, like learning about that, and like I'm glad you brought up like the Ayurvedic medicine side of things. You you remember our old yoga teacher? Maybe we'll have her on this podcast one day. That would be so incredible. Um, that would be our our old yoga teacher, um, who we used to go to, uh, Melanie and I together. She always would like talk about the importance of moving the lymph, and and it's like as you're telling me all of this information, I keep going back to those classes that we had with her because I never really understood what that meant i always just thought that meant to kind of like just move around or like flail around you know well no because it's the (laughs) least understood but but remember she would have us like put our hands on our shoulders and like windshield wiper um from side to side like we're both doing it right now listeners (laughs) we're we're modeling i wish you could see us but the other thing that she taught me is like when you're sick it's really good to like massage the lymph because it i guess moves the infection through your body more quickly and that's why like massage is so helpful and like all of these things but she told me and I've been doing this forever even if you have like a sinus infection like one of the best things that you can do is like percussive massage on your sinuses like on your face like tapping and all of that um, because it like loosens all of that up and returns it into the lymph so it can like circulate out of well, your body yeah, because the whole system has no pump that's amazing You've got to be the pump. You are the pump. System. You have to. Pump and when it you off. think about, like, think about yoga and like inversions. Oh yeah, like yeah. that has to shift everything. You know, I mean, yeah, it's pretty amazing. Like really. legs up the wall and all of that. Like just keeping it all moving in your body. That's the, so the thing cool. that I think is so interesting about it is like Ayurvedic medicine is like that's an Eastern kind mm-hmm. of thing, mm-hmm. right? And uh, it considers lymph, the lymphatic system, the most important system Mm -hmm. of the body. But here we are over here with modern Western medicine, and nobody (laughs) even knows what it is. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Oh, my gosh. So maybe we should get together and figure it out, you know? (laughs) Yeah, like, let's meet in the middle here, guys, because clearly something's not right. But, oh, my gosh, this was, like, super fascinating. You taught me so much about the lymph system. What a lovely and surprising medical mystery. Thank you. I learned a lot, too. So I was excited about that one. Yeah, that was awesome. Thank you so much. Miranda, what parenting topic are you going to edumacate us on this week? Today, your education is going to be um, about a topic that we've talked about before, but we're going to revisit and dive a little deeper into um, collaborative parenting. Yes, 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 yes. Yes. So just to remind our awesome listeners out there, this is Raising Human Beings by Dr. Ross Green, not to be confused with Dr. Ross Geller. That's exactly what I was just going to say. <laughs> I, I know you are. I could see it in your eyes. So I wanted to make yeah. sure I clarified there, Dr. Ross Green. Uh, so what I want to kind of zoom in on today with this parenting approach is um, specifically like solving problems with your kids from an empathic standpoint. So we're going to talk about some very, very basic counseling skills that you can use with your child when there's like a conflict or a problem to kind of get you started with moving toward a solution. 
And the thing to remember about collaborative parenting is you want your child to be a partner with you in in that journey of like, you know, moving through childhood into adulthood, like they're a partner. So you want them to be invested, you want them to have buy-in, and you want them to have like that shared amount of trust, obviously not as much trust as like you as an adult or a parent, but the right amount of trust for them at their age so that they can kind of learn what's expected of them and they'll grow up and be a successful human being. We love that, right? It's awesome. I love it. It's great. Yeah, I really I really like um, a lot of what Dr. Green has in this book. So we're going to talk about some different plans that you can use and not use to, to work with your child. And then we're going to spend a lot of time looking at the really good plan and like what's involved in those steps. All right. Based on, All right. on what he kind of explains in the book. So there's three plans, plan A, plan B, plan C. So whenever you encounter um, a situation with your child, you can kind of default to one of these options, right? So plan A is basically you just being the parent and saying what it's going to be. And we do that all the time. And sometimes that's useful, right? We can say, you know what? I've decided that you can't watch TV until you brush your teeth. Or um, I've decided that you won't be getting any new video games until your report card has straight A's. We can put those... My least favorite when I was a child, Mm -hmm. you need to do this because I said so. Yes, that definitely falls into this category. Yeah, like your child has no say so in what's going on here. You're just blanketly enforcing the rule like a dictator. And, you know, mm, that's not great. (laughs) Um, Sometimes you have to do it, but it is typically going to drive your kid further away from you. And it's really not going to solve like their underlying incompatibility. I think the last time we talked about collaborative parenting was when we talked about identity achievement and like the four different outcomes, like exploring identity and uh, committing to an identity and all of that. And there's this sense of like incompatibility like something's not working out. And right. whenever you come in like a harsh dictator, you're not really solving that problem. <laughs> you're you're putting a Band-Aid on it, but it's still kind of there. Not great, right? Not great. It's not great. It is sometimes necessary, sure. but it is not great. Right. There's going to be some negative consequences. Plan B is solving the problem collaboratively. And that's what we're going to come back to. So put a pin in it, ladies. And, and gents. And plan C is, I really like this one, and I'm really, really thankful that it's in here. Plan C is set it aside temporarily. <laughs> and and you never really think about that as like a way to solve a problem. But sometimes it's so great to say, you know what? <laughs> it's like the Scarlett O'Hara method. I'll deal with that tomorrow. I'll think about that tomorrow. So you kind of set something to the side because um, it's it's picking your battles, right? Maybe it's not the right time to hash it out and, and get into all of this. Um, so if the consequences aren't too serious, maybe sometimes as parents, we can kind of let things go. We can modify. We can adapt. So for example, with my child, he wants to dress himself for school. He has not mastered this skill yet at all. And most of the time he's going to pick clothing that is not weather appropriate 
or not what I would consider school appropriate. And most of the time, he wants to wear the same shirt and the same pants. And if I do the laundry too quick, and he always has his Pokemon shirt and his khaki pants, that's what he wants to wear every single day. And then I'm like, oh my God, your teacher's going to think that like, I don't have any other clothes for you to wear. And they're going to call like DSS on me or something. (laughs) But that's what he wants to wear. It's his choice, right? So I have a child who prefers to wear the very same unspeakable Minecraft hoodie every day. Uh, yes. Does he have six other hoodies? Yes, he does. But, but it's, it's the Minecraft that. one that he wants. Yeah. So, so this is one of those areas where it's like, is it really worth me diving in and doing this whole thing and addressing this as a problem? Or is this something I can kind of just let go for now and maybe revisit later? Right. That's plan C. And and again, beautiful. I'm glad that we have it. So plan A, not so great. Plan C, sometimes good if, if the problem, you know, kind of meets those criteria. But let's talk about plan B because this is where the magic happens. And this is where you as a parent can really use some like, again, very basic counseling skills to try to work and solve a problem and improve um, an outcome for, for your child. And it's all about... Empathy. Empathy, empathy, empathy. Say empathy, Melanie. Empathy. It is all about empathy. We love it. We love it. So let's say your child is having a problem and we're going to use like a super generic one for for this exercise. Uh, But it could be any problem, you know, insert problem here. But let's say my problem is my son isn't cleaning up his room and I really would like for him to clean up his room because I want him to learn that cleaning his room leads to, you know, rewards and privileges when he takes care of his things and he's responsible for his things and Melanie's making a face because she has strong feelings on that. Well, no, personally, I think that that's a very good example that touches very close to home. Very close to home. (laughs) On the other side of this wall behind me is a very dirty room. So so we know that we value a clean room. Our kids don't understand why we value a clean room. However, we need to teach them that value so they can understand that so that when our kids grow up and they're, you know, often living in their own homes that, you know, it's not like a den of nastiness, right? A horde. (laughs) We don't want that. We don't want that. That's not great. That's the example we're going to use. And so like maybe for like an empathic way to kind of get this conversation started, the best thing to do is to just like notice the behavior and just kind of say, you know, hey, I noticed that it's been difficult for you to clean your room when I asked you to. What's going on with that? Just try to start a conversation. This is the behavior and this is what I noticed what's going on? Try to just invite that conversation, right? Now, there's a lot of different outcomes to how you might get an answer there. (laughs) You might get a door slammed in your face, or you might get a pout or a cry, or if you have an older teenager, or even a younger kid, I don't know, they may cuss you out. Who knows what could happen? For this They better not do that. That's a whole other episode. (laughs) We're going back to plan A. But for for today, for what we're going to do, we're going to pretend that like, your kid gives an answer, they respond positively to you saying this, and and we can move forward. Now, I'm sure we'll come back and we'll look at how do we do it if they don't respond positively. But let's say they respond positively and maybe they say, you know, well, I just don't like cleaning my room. Okay, awesome. That that gives us a starting point, right? From here, we can kind of get down into what's really going on. Again, we're thinking about identity. We're thinking about exploration. We're thinking about commitment. We're thinking about all of these things. What is your child value? What do you value? Where are the commonalities there? Maybe your child says, 
I don't like to clean my room. Okay, cool. Let's take that. What if we say, I hear you. Sometimes you don't like to clean your room. That makes sense. Okay? And we're just reflecting back. So we're not putting anything else out there. We're not saying, oh, yeah, you know, I can see how it's boring or doing this or that. Don't put any ideas in their head. Just reflect back kind of what they say to you. Paraphrasing, right? And it just reflect it. Just reflect it back. That's all it is. That's all it is. And you know what a critical counseling skill this is to just be able to say something back out loud to somebody that they said to you. Okay. Paraphrasing and reflecting. Um, You can reflect thoughts, feelings. You can reflect values. Use. And kind of once you feel like your child is is feeling heard, which is awesome when they feel, okay, you actually care what I think. We can have a conversation here, right? Because you're you actually care about what I'm thinking and how I feel. That's awesome. You're not just going to come in here and say, clean your room or I'm going to spank you or clean your room or you're not going to get an allowance. Instead of that, you're you're trying to understand where they're coming from. So they may buy in a little bit more. So then we can start getting into like some open-ended questions. So fun fact, I actually did this with Fisher. <laughs> um, I, I played you did this, an experiment? I played this experiment out because this is real life, okay? I'm going to put these practices to the test. So, you know, Fisher says, I don't like to clean my room. And I said, well, what are some things that you don't like about cleaning your room? And Fisher said he doesn't like to put his books on the shelf. And that's always the mess is he likes to pull all the books off his shelf and he likes to spread them out on the floor. So we had a whole conversation about that because he, in his mind, if he spreads the books out on the floor, he can see them better and he can choose which one he wants to read. It's a better method for him than when they're on the shelf and the font is like, you know, 0.7 Calibri going sideways and you can't right, see. And sideways. I don't know if it's pronounced Calibri or Calibri. I just said Calibri. Please correct me if I'm wrong, listeners. So whatever it is, like, what do they not like? Do they not like putting their stuffies on the bed or making the bed? Do they hate putting their clothes in the hamper? Try to find out as much information as you can. Who, what, where, when, why. Okay. Get as much information as you as you want. And then the other thing that can be really helpful here is looking at situational variabilities. This is so important. And we as parents, I think sometimes we get in a hurry because, you know, we have a million hundred thousand things going on and it's really hard because for us. Because we're always in a hurry because we oh. have to unload the dishwasher. We have to put the groceries away. We have to pack lunches for tomorrow. We have to shower. The kids have to shower. There's too many things to do. So we're in a hurry. So we're always in a hurry and we don't take the time to slow down and work this stuff out with our kids, which is kind of of what parenting is all about but, but right most- and then there's this a whole other like side to it where it's like if you take the time to do this you might not continually be dealing with the same situation exactly exactly so what can you really commit to realistically consistently That's such a challenge. But this is actually a, I guess, a a pro tip for for parents out there is think about situational variabilities. And that's basically just an examination of what are the ideal conditions that your child needs to be successful. So let me give you some examples of that. I like to go out to eat with my husband, right? 
I don't mm-hmm. like to go out to eat with my husband and my child because <laughs> it's it's always like, how do I keep him entertained? How do I keep him still? You know, there's this waiting period when we're waiting for the food to get there. For me to have an enjoyable dining out experience with my entire family, it's going to involve an iPad. <laughs> and and I know hundred percent. I know we've talked about screen time, and I know we've that we've done these things. But if I allow Fisher to have his iPad while we're waiting on our food, and he has an understanding and an expectation that hey, when the plates on the table, the iPad goes away and goes off the table. That makes my life so much easier. That's what you call a situational variability, an ideal condition for your child to be successful. Give them what they need to be successful. So so here's an example. When, when we'd come home right away, like when we'd walk in the door, I wanted us to start doing chores right then because in my mind, I want to get everything done so that we can relax after that, right? That's kind of, I think, I feel like a lot of women have that in them. I can't relax until all these things are done. So we, right. get, we get in the door and I'm like, okay, well, you have your little chores you need to do, whether it is, I don't know, watering, putting water in the dog's bowl or, you know, putting the books back on your shelf, whatever it is. I would ask him to do this and he's arguing and he's screaming and he's pitching a fit. And it's just like, I cannot have any success there. And what I learned by kind of investigating the ideal conditions is that really, truthfully, at the end of the day, when he gets home from school, he is so overstimulated and he Mm -hmm. needs a little cool off period. So now when we get home from school, we've built that into our routine where he gets to have a snack and go upstairs with his iPad and just be by himself for 30 minutes. And I have an eight-year-old over here who uh, needs that exact same thing. Yeah. He needs some him time. Decompressing, right? Because I've been in school. I've been listening to all of these adults. I've been in after school. All these kids have been running around like crazy. It's been loud. It's been noisy. It's been stimulating. Let me just go upstairs by myself and look at my iPad and just kind of zone out for a little bit. We do that all the time as adults with our phones, you know, we're all the time. Well, and to be honest, the thing with that I've noticed recently with Jonah is that's that's not a time to ask him questions either. Mm. Like if you're if he's like just walking in the door and he's been at school all day, he went to after school, then he comes here and I'm like, how was your day? What blah, blah, blah. Like he needs a minute where nobody's asking him questions Mm -hmm. and nobody is he feels interrogated when he's being asked questions. Right. So now I'm just like, okay. And then when I ask him later, like when we're getting ready, like when he's getting ready for bed, he'll tell me whole stories about what happened. Like he just needs a minute. Exactly. I feel that personally Mm -hmm. as well. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So it's just situational variability. It's understanding what are the ideal conditions for my child to be successful and how can I set them up for that? So now, like when me and Fisher get home from school, he gets a snack, goes upstairs with his iPad. He gets to spend 30 minutes up there before he's expected to come downstairs and start doing chores and do his homework and eat supper and all of that. And he's so much more agreeable. Just like you said with Jonah, it's like you get so much more out of him as a person mm-hmm. <laughs> when you give him that space. So just keep that in mind too, parents, when it when it comes to this and solving problems. So back to kind of the cleaning the room example, just to kind of play this out. Let's say that your kid did a really good job cleaning their room one time and, and it was like awesome and they did a really good job. And so you could bring that up to them and say, hey, you know, the other the other weekend, I noticed that you you did an awesome job cleaning your room. Why was it easier for you then? 
And uh, an example here is, you know, maybe your kid said, well, I was listening to music on my headphones because you let me keep my tablet instead of taking it away from me. I can focus and clean better if I get to listen to my music. It's hard for me to clean my room if I don't have my music on. And sometimes that's enough to solve the whole problem, just to get down to that. But how often do we as parents say, you can't have your iPad until your room is clean, right? So All the time. All the time. All the time. Because we want to use it as the carrot, right? When maybe mm-hmm. it should be the thing that's actually supporting and, and helping the activity itself. You never know. And this is just one example, but just something to think about. Situational variability and, and creating those ideal conditions. And I feel like that's even applicable when it comes to like, you know, if you have an infant, there's a lot that you can do with ideal conditions. I mean, think about all of the things that you do to create the ideal conditions for your child to even sleep through the night when they're an infant. (laughs) Oh my gosh. The sleep through the night situation went well past infancy in this household. I mean. And this one too. And this one too. But we can set our kids up to be successful if we put those, those things in place for sure. So a couple of other things that can be helpful here, especially if you have um, an older child, you can talk to the child about their process, their thought process while they're facing the problem. So you can kind of ask them, you know, what was going through your head when you did this? What were you thinking? How do you approach this problem? And when we do this, it's called meta-learning, and it gives you insight uh, kind of to where your child is at in constructing their own solution, which gives you hints back to, again, identity, exploration, and commitment. So like when you're cleaning your room, what are you usually thinking about? Well, I'm thinking that it's a really big mess and I'll never be able to get it all done. Okay, so now I know that you're feeling overwhelmed. So maybe we can try another strategy by breaking the problem down into smaller parts. So maybe instead of looking at your whole room and and feeling overwhelmed, what if we started with just your bookcase and we just put your books back on the shelf? And then maybe once you've done that, we could take a break and then come back and work on another area of your room. Break it down for them, chunk it out. And because um, if your child is feeling, if, if there's a negative emotion involved, if there's any kind of negative emotion involved, how can they expect themselves to be successful? Right. You really want to get them in a positive mindset and then help them, you know, achieve that success because you can't. Right. You can't achieve a good result if you have a if you have a bad input. Right. I think this will fit in right there. But what we have done with Jonah on on several occasions and it's been really successful is because when his room is a mess, it looks like a bomb went off (laughs) and a hoarder moved in. Oh, my gosh. I mean, it's bad. And it is overwhelming. Even mm-hmm, to me mm-hmm, as mm-hmm. an adult, it is overwhelming. Yeah. And so what we've started doing is more of a time thing. Like he's mm. he's a kid that pays a lot of attention to time. Yeah. And so we'll just be like, okay, I'm going to set a timer for 10 minutes. Let's see how much you can get done in 10 minutes. Gotcha. Yep. Yep. And then he'll, you know, he'll even have us like take a picture of it at the oh, beginning cool. and he'll yeah. be like, and then he'll want another picture at 10 minutes. Okay. And he's like, he's like, if I get it good enough in 10 minutes, can I be done? And we're <laughs> like, yeah, but usually it takes another another 10, 10 minutes, minutes later but, on. But yeah. he likes photos. 
supposed to show the progress. Sure, yeah, that's gratifying to him. But such a generational thing because you think of us like growing up in the 80s or 90s, <laughs> like you would have had to go to the film. Oh place, my gosh, you're have so right. Like, yep, yep, you're so right. I mean, our wow. kids are so lucky in that wow. regard. Like, here I am. Oh, it's my phone that I probably am holding in my hand anyway. Here, <laughs> I'll take a picture and then you can see. Wow. But that does really help with him. Mm. And it, it kind of stops the fight. Like, sure. Just just give it 10 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, it's almost like you kind of make it a game for him. So a you, little bit. you get him excited and motivated about it. And, and that's his buy-in. That's collaborative parenting. You found something that you can do to help him be successful that he's bought into. And then you just keep using that strategy with him. I love it. That's awesome. Such a great example. So three other quick little strategies kind of related to using empathy with your child here and just basic uh, counseling skills. There's there's a thing called making a discrepant observation, which is just a really fancy way of calling your child out <laughs> when maybe they tell you something wow. incorrect. Wow, could you say it again? What was it called? A discrepant observation. So you're pointing out a discrepancy between what they've oh, well, said and what's actually happening. And, and for you listeners out there... Mel is really good at making discrepant observations. Oh my gosh, you really are. You're like the queen of discrepant observations. That's not necessarily a great quality. <laughs> just telling y'all. She's she's the kind of friend that is like just a tough love kind of gal and she'll get you with these discrepant observations. So it's a very challenging technique in, in counseling and it can be very, very risky. So you have to do it at the right time. Otherwise, very you're going to, yeah, you're going to turn that person against you. This is, you know... Again, the room example. You know, sometimes when you tell me that you've cleaned your room, I go to look at it and it's still dirty. So what's going on with that? Got to be really careful here because your kid may be like, are you calling me a liar? You know, it's it's these Ooh, kinds yeah. of things. Yeah. So, so again, a risky strategy, but sometimes a helpful, challenging strategy approach. Try it out. See what happens. Again, it's all one big experiment. Another strategy, and this kind of goes back to plan C a little bit. How many times have you brought something up to your kid and then they try to deflect the conversation or, um, you know, send you on another path or something like this? So maybe they say, well, why do I have to clean my room? My little brother doesn't have to clean his room or something like that. Oh, the making it about somebody else. It's deflecting, right? It's it's the blame game. And, and so it's like, OK, I hear you. I hear you. Let's set some time aside to talk about that later. And let's make sure we focus on what's at hand here. So it's just a redirection strategy. You still I think that we need the politicians to also listen to this because <laughs> there's a lot of that in politics. We could the use deflection. a lot of empathy in politics, in my opinion. We could. It's true. But specifically uh, in this. Yeah, but that guy. He did that. That's not so what, so that's, why that's am I getting. That's not what we're talking about right, right now. Right. And, and again, with your kid, when these things come up, the last thing you want to do is dismiss those concerns. So always make sure that they feel heard and say, you know, hey, I hear you. And let's come back to that later on because that's important that you brought that up but right now let's talk about this and one thing that um dr green does which i i, I thought this was just hilarious he said uh that his technique is to say you know once we've solved this problem you can come and talk to me about these concerns later and he said most of the time his children would just forget and move on <laughs> and right. so like set them up a space like 
you can make a meeting with me about that later at, at your uh, behest. And then off your child goes and they and they never make the meeting. So there's it just kind of dies there. And, and I'm like, they're That's not going to come. <laughs> they're not going to come back during office hours. That's they're right. just not going to do it. <laughs> That's right. It's brilliant. OK. And, and the last strategy here for empathizing um, with your kid and, and using um, empathic problem solving is just summarizing. So making sure you go through their concerns, um, making sure you explain the solutions that they've talked about. And, and you could say, you know, hey, let's make sure that I've got everything here. You don't like to clean your room because you feel very overwhelmed, like you'll never be able to get it done. It makes you feel sad and it makes you feel angry. And it's easier for you to clean your room if you've had a snack and if you get to listen to music. Did I miss anything in there? And then you can kind of make sure that your child is like on board, right? Because you've outlined their argument back to them. And you've kind of proposed a solution with them. And at that point, now they know their feelings and their opinions matter. So then it's like, are they going to still resist you when you've carefully and very beautifully crafted a solution using their own ideas and buy-in, right? Wow, it's brilliant. It's so brilliant. And it's really just counseling 101. These are very, very basic skills. And I encourage you to practice them. This, These things work really, really great with school-age children. And it's going to help them to kind of figure out and explore their feelings and their thoughts and their values when it comes to these different problems. And, and again, the meta-learning piece in there, how are they going to solve problems? You're really teaching them some some really great skills they'll be able to use later on in life. And at the very minimum, you're modeling for them how they can be effective when it comes to solving problems and just listening, reflecting, paraphrasing, summering, just these these very, very basic counseling skills, which is beautiful. That is awesome. Yes. Thank you, Dr. Green. I'll put a link to um, Raising Human Beings in the show notes for everybody to check out, but definitely keep all of this in mind. And we would love to hear how you guys work with your kids um, and how you use empathic strategies uh, when you're when you're dealing with these little these little boogers, and they are boogers. So Melanie has served us up a beautiful spotlight today, and I can't wait to hear what it is. I have. I found this really great organization that is this year celebrating their 25th anniversary. Ooh. They are called the Lymphatic Education and Research Network. Their mission is to fight lymphatic diseases through education, research, and advocacy. They seek to accelerate the prevention, treatments, and cures for lymphedema, lymphatic anomalies, and a continuum of lymphatic diseases. Um, Looks like a really good organization. Of course, they're a nonprofit. They have received many awards for Mm. um, how well they serve with the funds that they have. Their website is lymphaticnetwork.org. And again, that is the Lymphatic Education and Research Network. Um, I just wanted to say this is aside from the spotlight, but if you all are still with us, this is the end of our ninth episode. And I just wanted to say we appreciate you all listening. And please share with us ideas. Miranda and I are geeks for doing this kind of research. 
And we, there may be ideas out there that we wouldn't even think of. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. throw them our way. All of that information is available on our social media or our email. And we are just thankful and grateful that y'all are hanging out with us. Yes. Yes. I love it so much. And I can't wait to get to chat and meet with you guys and connect. And yeah, like Mel said, please share your ideas with us. We have like five different jam boards going with just like sticky <laughs> notes of all kinds of amazing ideas that we want to get to in future episodes. And one of my um, awesome, awesome girlfriends from college texted me the other day and she's like, you guys should talk about this. And I'm like making more sticky notes on the jam boards. We've so- got sticky notes on sticky notes on sticky notes. Our sticky I mean, notes are and, buried. And, and I, I also want to say this, like nothing is off limits. Like we're all moms and mm-hmm. we're all struggling. Mm-hmm. And I saw the text that your friend sent you mm-hmm. talking about I, dinner ideas. Like yeah. we can cover that yeah like, yeah Miranda is really good at that kind of stuff um so send any ideas our way we appreciate y'all listening we really do mm-hmm. we're so thankful for you guys we love you guys um like Mel said reach out follow us and we will catch you on the flippity flip if you like what you hear from us be sure to follow our show and if you really like us you can leave us a review on the podcast platform of your choice. We want to be friends with you. Connect with us on social media by following at Mother Mayhem Podcast or email us directly at mothermayhempodcast at gmail.com.